You're just amazing leaders. We really appreciate you, Dave and Kate. Just what you do and the team you've raised up. How, 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 how awesome is that? Amen. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come. Speak into our hearts. Challenge us to break out of comfort zones, to break into new areas, to break out of limitations, to shift. Father, we give you all the honor. You're a God of faith who loves us, believes in us, and has unlimited possibilities for us. We open our hearts to receive from you today. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bible with me in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. A little while ago, I spoke uh, just on the issue of fear. I want to come back and address it again, and uh, just slightly different perspective this time. But particularly in light of the fact that just recently, as we've had uh, a visit from a prophet, there's a, there's a stirring in our lives towards God. And uh, that stirring is not just towards God, it's actually towards the community as well. It's to break out and begin to have impact with your life. So I want to just start off with this scripture here. And uh, this comes in Matthew chapter 25, verse 24 to 25. Uh, it begins with uh, Jesus teaching a parable of the kingdom. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who had servants. And he gave one five talents, gave one two talent, gave one one talent. And I think most of us would not call ourselves five talent people, maybe two talent. Most people are one talent people. There are limited abilities, but we have something we could use, something we can, that God has gifted us with. Some have got more than that. And it says they were given according to their ability, and each one was given the commission to do something with what they had. And what God had in mind is that you would be productive with what you have, that you'd not compare with others, but you'd be productive. You'd take what you have, put it to work, produce fruit for the kingdom. And then eventually the parable describes when the Lord comes back again, he will call us before him. And he will call every Christian to stand before him. And uh, what we're coming to come before him is for reward in a coming kingdom. And so each one, uh, he asks, well, what did you do? What have you done with the opportunities, gifts, talents that I have given you? And one really rejoiced, said, well, I had five, I got another five. And he gets commended and gets promoted. One said, well, I had two. And he said, I've got another two. He gets the same commendation. He's done the best he could. He's maximized his potential. But then there's this guy who has the one talent. And this is what happens there. He said, verse 24, he said, the one who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man. Hard. Hard. Oh. He said, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered. And I was afraid. So I hid your talent. I hid it in the, ha in the, in the ground. Here it is. You can have it back. Now, I want you to notice here two things about this man or three things about him. The first thing is he has a distorted view of what God is like. His view of God is that God is hard or that God expects something where he hasn't sown. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says God is full of compassion. The Bible tells us he's merciful, full of compassion. He is gracious to help us. He's long-suffering. He abounds in goodness and truth. So God is not hard. God is loving and tender. And we see this, his, his perception of God is distorted. Secondly, you notice his perception was that God would expect something where he hadn't first sown. Now, God doesn't work that way. God always sows. That's why he expects to reap. He gives and puts something in our lives, and then he looks for return. He looks for us to use what we have so we can be promoted. So your journey through life is a preparation for an eternity of serving God. We don't just go to heaven and pl play harps. God has a plan that every one of his sons and daughters would extend his kingdom throughout eternity, and he's got many ways he can do that. So now is your stewardship, now is your apprenticeship. And the man who had one said, I was afraid because you're a hard man. And said, he said, so I was afraid. Second thing we see is fear caused him to withhold using what he had. Fear caused him to withhold what he had. In other words, he didn't take the talent, the gift, and begin to invest it and use it to produce fruit. And the result was he withheld it and kept it to himself. Now, most of us, when we read the parable, we won't put ourselves at five and we don't want to be called the one talent. We go, oh, maybe I'm two. But actually, the majority of people are really well one-talent people. We have something God has given us. The question is, how do you see God 
Because if you don't see him as a loving, kind father, wanting his sons and daughters to grow so he can entrust them more, you'll live out of fear like a servant. You'll be in bondage, and you won't use the opportunities God has given you. So God wants us to overcome this issue of fear. And there are two parts of overcoming fear. One is the issue of dealing with a distorted view of God. And the second one is overcoming the attacks of fear which come on everyone. The Bible says God won't take away fear. It doesn't anywhere to say he'll take away your fear. He expects us to face and overcome our fears. Who's got a fear they need to overcome? Eh? We've all got fears. In fact, we've got a whole heap of them. We could have a whole day while everyone shared what they're afraid of. You'd find out most of us are afraid of the same things. <laughs> and uh, so we need to deal with it. So I want to just open up some things just on fear. Number one, the first thing I want to say, fear is a tormenting evil spirit. Fear is a tormenting evil spirit. Let me give you three scriptures that describe what fear is like. If you think fear is just something, well, it's just in my head or it's just something I'm feeling, you actually lose the ability to address and to deal with it. The Bible's very clear. Notice in this scripture here, 2 Timothy 1.7, God writes to, uh, to, through uh, Paul to Timothy, and he says, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Spirit of fear does not come from God. God does not terrify you. God does not scare you into obeying. A spirit of fear does not come from God. Notice the first thing, fear is a spirit. It's a demonic spirit being. It's an unseen, invisible spirit being which has one thing in mind, to fill you with its nature, fill you with fear. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That word fear means timidity, dread, lack of courage to face the pressures of life. So fear is an overwhelming sensation that causes or steals courage from us so we won't face things. We run from them. And many of the problems we face are not because the problem is a big problem, it's because fear turns us into a coward who wants to run away rather than face it. I can think of many times I ran away. I had a pattern of running away which I've had to work at to overcome. Fear is a spirit. God has not given us the spirit of fear. What does God give us? God gives us His Spirit, which has three aspects to it. The Holy Spirit empowers us to face the challenges of life. He doesn't say, I'm going to take you away from them. He, he encourages and helps us to face whatever life dishes up to us. He said, that's a spirit of love. In other words, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of our Father wants to reveal how loved we are, how secure we are, that God is with me, therefore nothing needs to terrify me. If you're standing there and you've got some big guy in front of you and he's a bully and he's pushing you around, you have every reason to be afraid. But if you had six bigger guys behind you who had your back, you're not going to be afraid at all. You'll be a little bolshy. See? Because, why? Because your perception has changed. You have someone with you. And so when we have an awareness that God loves us, is with us, that God will help us. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me if God is on my side? If God is with me, why should I be afraid? God is with me. See, our problem is we don't believe God's with us. When fear comes, our consciousness of God goes, and then we think, I'm all alone. I've got to face this thing. Then we want to find a way to run, amen, or fight or whatever. Okay, so we see their fear. First of all, fear is an invisible spirit being that floods your mind and distorts the way you look at life. It looks worse when fear is affecting your thinking. You just don't see clearly. It looks bigger. It looks badder. It looks worse. Okay, second thing about fear is that uh, it tells us that fear brings slavery to us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have received the spirit of adoption or the spirit that places you as son, whereby we cry, Daddy, Father. So notice the word bondage means to be a slave who surrenders to do what someone else wants them to do. So notice the first thing we see then that fear is a spirit. It didn't come from God. God gives us a love. He gives us power. He gives us a sound mind, the ability to discipline our life. That's what comes from God. Now, using the same thing again, it says you have not received the spirit of bondage. That's slavery. Spirit of fear is a spirit of slavery. It means if 
forces and pressures you, so you yield to your fear instead of facing it and overcoming it. God has not given us that kind of spear. What has He given us? He's given us a spirit that places us into sonship, whereby God is intimately connected, so intimate, I can call Him Daddy. Daddy, I need your help. Show me what to do. Daddy, guide me. Daddy, give me the strength. Help me to overcome this. Notice what He's telling us? It's a spirit, and it brings bondage. The third thing I want to share about fear in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. So notice now, fear is a spirit. Fear enslaves us so we're not free. If you have fear active in your life, you are not free. There's parts of your life you're not free. You're imprisoned by the thing you fear. And then finally, it says that fear has torment. That means it, uh, it brings fear, it brings uh, punishment around our life. It acts on our life to cause pain and anguish constantly. It terrorizes us. Think about what a terrorist is. A terrorist is a person who uses fear or threats to force you to do what he wants you to do. So that's what fear is. It's a terrorist. It's a spiritual terrorist. It enslaves us, it frightens us, intimidates us, and afflicts us in different ways. Here's the next thing that fear does. Fear seizes your focus. When fear comes around your life, it will affect your thoughts. And this is what it does. Now, we have, we, in spite of what you think about multitasking, we only have the ability to focus on one thing at a time. Multitasking means you're flipping backwards and forwards and nothing's getting your focus. Our mind can actually only focus on one thing at a time. So what fear does, fear will seize your focus. In other words, it begins to fill you with thoughts about an evil future. And it keeps feeding the thoughts in. And if you listen and take heed to the thoughts, the spirit that's attacking you knows that and it'll keep feeding them in until all you can think about is possible trouble or evil that's going to happen today, tomorrow, in the future sometime. It constantly holds your thoughts. Have you noticed that? That when fear comes around you, it's like you can hardly think of anything else. It grips your mind. It, it takes your focus. Now, when it takes your focus, it then stops you seeing other possibilities. You just see one thing ahead of you, and disaster is looming, and I see no other way out. But when we can get free of, the, of fear, we see possibilities. So fear, when it grips your life, seizes your focus, holds on to your mind, and then it limits you, and you begin to stay in a comfort. It confines you to a comfort zone, confines you to living within what you're comfortable with, and it hinders you seeing what's possible and breaking out. So that's why I felt that, that God is wanting us to address any area of fear in our life, because fear will keep us contained in what we're safe with. We just talk to the people we feel good with. Pastor Kate was saying, come on, mix and talk with someone else that you don't know. Oh, no, I like my friends. I feel safe. <laughs> or does that mean you feel afraid when it comes to meeting other people? Oh, no, I know, and I feel awkward. You mean fear. Now, I'll get to this in a moment, the many faces that fear has. That what we do is we relabel fear because we don't want to admit we're afraid. So we just call it something else. A bit awkward. See, we have many things that we use. I want, to, I want to pick a few out and hope that you'll recognize some of this. So fear seizes your focus, and then you have this thing, what if, what if, what if I did that? Well, I don't know, what if I stepped out? What if I started a business? What, what might happen? So we get, we get flooded with what ifs. And it, listen, this is for everyone. This happens to everyone. There's no exceptions. No exceptions. Even people that look like they're not afraid have fears. All of us are exposed to it. It's just a matter of whether you can, you're willing to have the courage to face them and overcome them and break out of the comfort zone and limitations. Fear keeps you in the comfort zone, keeps you confined. That's why God wants us to get out of fear and into a place of revelation of His fatherhood. Get to that seminar on the fatherhood, the father love of God. It'll help you because it's, it's one of the foundations that helps you overcome fear is knowing my daddy's got my back, he's with me. When you're a little kid, you know, if someone bullied you, you said, my dad's going to come, he'll tell you what. Well, come on, God wants you to live your life like that. Our daddy is a big daddy. He's an awesome, eternal, unchanging, powerful God, and he's got my back. If you knew God had your back in every area, what would you do that you're not doing now? 
you do other things. You do new things. Wouldn't that be right? See, so in Psalm 56, verse 3, whenever I am afraid, whenever, that's David writing, whenever, meaning I feel fear frequently. But whenever I am afraid, I put my trust in the Lord. In other words, he's not saying you don't get afraid. He's saying there's a way you need to deal with the fear. You need to lean in on God, draw from His strength, and face it and overcome it. Throw a stone in its head or something like that. Huh? <laughs> okay, so, so what, what I noticed is that rather than say, I'm afraid, which no one wants to say, especially if you're a man who wants to say, I'm afraid. I mean, the man's world's got to be tough. The John Wayne style, Clint Eastwood, all that kind of thing. You know, tough, we do tools, you know, don't do clothes, we do tools. <laughs> don't do cakes, we do burgers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of men's stuff. Donuts. Oh, now we're talking. I'm starting to feel the hunger coming on. Feeling FOMO, I might miss out. <laughs> so what happens is, is that rather than say I'm afraid, people use other words. I'm going to use several words that people use. And actually, every one of them, if you actually look up what they mean, they all mean to be afraid. So here's, here's what you hear people say. You may have said one of these things yourself. Oh, I'm concerned about this. Really? I'm, I'm concerned. No, no, I'm, not, I'm just concerned. <laughs> Look at the meaning of concern. See? I mean, concern means to, to be worried or to have trouble or distress, to be anxious. In other words, to be based on fear. It's the fear, and you're not calling it fear, and because you name it another name, you can't deal with it. I'm just concerned. Oh, brother, I'm concerned. No, no, you've got fear and anxiety, and so you're now trying to get into control mode. We'll get there in a moment. There's one. I'm concerned. Oh, I'm worried about this. If they were worried. Oh, well, our family are worriers, you know. We, we tend to worry in our family. Our mum worried. No, no. Actually, fear. It's a spirit of fear you're dealing with. You're being attacked by fear and you're surrendering to it. That's why you're worried. To worry me to be anxious, it's a mental distress. It's a torment with disturbing thoughts. It has the context of something seizing you by the throat and stopping you. I'm worried, a little bit worried. Anxious, anxious, I'm a bit anxious about this. That's another word for fear. It's another word for fear. I, I'm worried, I'm anxious. It means, to, it means an unease, a nervousness, an overwhelming sense of apprehension about the future where I actually feel tense. And what really is going on, I doubt my ability to handle what's coming up. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid because I'm trusting in myself and I don't think I got what I need to overcome it. That's why I've got all these feelings in my body that's making me feel anxious. <gasps> I need to get a pill. Come on, this is what's going on. on a, this, I mean, in altar calls in big churches with lots of young people, the two things they keep coming up with is anxiety and depression. It's a growing epidemic today. People taking medication for anxiety. I'm not against you taking medication, but address what the real problem is, a spirit of fear, and learn how to overcome it. Get the idea? Okay, that's those ones there. Oh, here's, here's another couple. Now, you may recognize these ones. Whoa. I'm under a lot of pressure. I'm under a lot of pressure. How are you getting on? Oh, I'm under a lot of pressure. That sounds nice, doesn't it? What it means is you're afraid of failing. <laughs> You've got fear gripping you. I'm under pressure. Why are you under pressure? Where is the pressure? It's pressure in my mind. I can feel the pressure on my emotions. I feel it myself getting a bit, oh, uptight because of the pressure I'm under. That's a spirit of fear. It brings pressure on you. Fear, spirits, bring pressure on your life. And so you say, people use language like, I'm feeling pressured. Actually, they're under attack by spirit. And don't realize what it is. If you don't realize what it is and call it another name, you won't deal with the problem. You actually got to call things the way God calls them. Then you can address them with God's solutions. He said, cast all your cares, your worries, your anxieties, your stress points. Cast them on the Lord. Because He loves you and cares about you, He wants to carry them. 
He wants to hold them up. He wants to lift you up and help you through it. You've got to learn to let it go to the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7. So I'm pressured. How many know they're pressured? See, it gets quiet when people start to realize, oh, that's me. I laughed when it was the other guys. Now it's me. Here's another one here. How you doing? I'm a bit stressed out. Oh, stressed out. <laughs> what a stress. See, stress is a pressure on your life. It's a force that deforms you. <laughs> so when I'm stressed out, it means I'm pressured by fear. And I've got to the stage where I don't think I can handle and cope anymore. That's why I am stressed out. Notice these things? How many know someone like that, stressed out? Some people are stressed out all the time. Why are they stressed out all the time? Because of fear. And sometimes it's mismanagement. Sometimes it's mismanagement and that leads to further fear. But often it's the fear that drives the mismanagement. So when people are afraid, they lose all confidence they can cope and become apprehensive about what will happen. When people are afraid, they lose confidence, I can cope. You understand why knowing that you are loved and God is with you is a key remedy to overcoming fear. Because it's not dependent on me. I got God's got my back. Daddy's got my back. I can give my thing to him, and then I just do what I need to do and leave it all to him. You understand? But fear distorts your thinking. So you don't look to God. You start to instead carry it in your body. You can't sleep. You get stressed out. You get uptight. Then you start affecting people in the family. We've all got so quiet when we get around these areas. See? Start kicking the cat. See? When, <laughs> when, people, when people become afraid, the next thing is, I need to control this. I'm, I'm feeling like I can't cope. I need to get back in control again. So I need to try and control the people around me. So parents try to control their kids because they're afraid they might do something and maybe we look bad or maybe it maybe will be bad. I don't know. I don't know because I'm afraid. I don't know what it is, but it might happen. See? But if it did happen, you'd find a way to overcome it. There was a program I love watching. It's called Keeping Up Appearances. And, and Hyacinth is forever trying to keep up appearances, forever trying to make it look good. And she never succeeds because it always falls apart. You can't control life. And you can't really control people. If you control people, you hurt them. You damage them, you reject them, and then they live in fear. And the fear that was in you is now in them. So when people feel anxious, feel afraid, feel stressed out, then what they try and do is gain control. When I get stressed out, frequently, instead of facing what it is and dealing with it, I'll just tidy my room. That feels much better now. I've got control over something. Tidied up a drawer, felt control over something. I just need something to be under my control. I'm feeling it's all out of control. Well, it's just fear. It's just fear. You got any people there getting on? This is you? Whoa. Wow. So they all kids used to laugh because I had dad have a cleaning fit. <laughs> when dad had a cleaning fit, it just meant he's a, he got anxiety, which means he's got fear, which means he's not coping, which means he needs to get near to God and repent. Instead of bringing out on everyone else. You can't control people. You can't control. So the only thing you can control is what you think and what you do. That's really, If you'll just stick to what you think and what you do, you can deal with life. That's really where the battle is in your head. Dealing with what's, around, what's in your own mind, see? So control is deceptive because you think that you can control life, but you can't. It just has a way of breaking out. And so you live anxious and tense and stressed and, and burdened and pressured and, and blah, blah, blah. Those are the things that happen. We can't, we can't deal with it. And of course, then when people feel afraid, then they get angry. Angry is another way of controlling everything. So when you find someone who is stressed out, they're usually irritable and angry. Irritable and angry. Irritable means angry. Snitchy. Angry. Why angry? Afraid. So... Anger gives you the feeling you can be in control. But actually, it isn't. It's an illusion. Because even when you're angry, you're not in control still. You probably get out of control. Then you say and do things, oh my, now I've got another mess to clean up. Why not just deal with the fear? It would be much easier in the long term. Face the fear and learn to walk in the peace of God. 
Learn to walk in the peace Jesus gives. Jesus said, in the world there is tribulation, but be of good cheer, have courage and face it properly because I have overcome the world. I leave my peace to you. You can walk in peace. This is one of the ways that we can evident we're different, that we're walking in kingdom life. Peace. Or are you stressed out? Listen, when you're stressed out, you carry a spirit of fear that fills the atmosphere. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, said, Jesus says, don't be stressed out about anything. Rather, set first the kingdom of God, seek it first, and his righteousness or ordering your life his way, everything will start to flow to you. And he says, now sufficient for one day is the evils thereof. In other words, he said, each day has its own challenges, so stop thinking about tomorrow's challenges today. God wants you to learn to live in the present. If you're thinking about what may happen tomorrow or next week or what if, what if, what if, what happens is you can't live now. You, you, people talk to you and you're distracted. You're not there. Your head's gone somewhere. Why? Because you're thinking what may happen tomorrow. So he said, don't do that. He said, don't be anxious. In other words, resist fear. And one of the ways you resist fear is by aligning your priorities right. I am seeking and placing God first, His priorities first, and I'll order my life aright. And then he says, also, just deal with one day at a time. Today, you've got every grace you need for today. Tomorrow's stuff, that'll come tomorrow. That's how we're meant to live, to live by faith. Whatever i got to face today, I can get through today. Tomorrow, well, that looks pretty tough, but I'll see about that tomorrow. When I wake up tomorrow and I meet with Daddy, he'll tell me what I'll do tomorrow to deal with that. You see, it's a way of living. It's a way of living. And he says, as you live that way, then what you need will come to you without the stress. It'll be added to you. So what he's saying is everyone else is uptight trying to get things. If you will stop being uptight, refuse fear, and surrender and come under his leadership, his kingdom authority, put your priorities right, then you'll enter a flow where things come to you without the stress. Oh, God bless me today. Oh, that happened today. Oh, I got a bargain today. Oh, this happened. People say, aren't you lucky? That's how people try to describe it. They say, you must be lucky. No, no, I made decisions not to yield to fear and to align my life with the Lord, and I'm not lucky. I am blessed. I am blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. How many people recognize some of that fear stuff already? So where's it come in? How does fear get in? Well, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, 8, 9, and 10. It talks about Adam, and this is what happened. Adam and Eve were created to live in the presence of God, to walk under his governance, and to express his life. But they were, Adam was given a command. The command was this. He said, don't eat the fruit of that tree. Eat the fruit of that tree, you'll die. Second thing he was given, he was told, given a command, cultivate the land and protect it, guard it. So what happened? This is what happened. Adam failed in the mandate. He did not communicate clearly to Eve what was required. Secondly, he stood by passively when she was being talked to by the devil. And then she, he entered into agreement. He failed to protect her. That's why God puts the weight of sin in the world upon the man. Because he didn't communicate and he didn't stand up and protect. He didn't fulfill his assignment. And then, when he failed, instead of facing it and dealing with it properly, he yielded to the spirit of fear and out of anger, blamed his wife and blamed God. And then he had serious consequences, which we've all experienced. Now fear is the problem for everyone. So you see in that story there how fear entered. The first thing that fear did with the moment they become afraid, that says they covered themselves with fig leaves, they hid their identity, put on a mask to hide from one another. Fear will cause you to hide your real self and put up a front what you're like. And when you're like that, you'll be alone, you'll be lonely, you'll be fear-filled, because all the time you'll wonder, if people see me, what I'm really like, what will they do? So putting up fig leaves doesn't help your fear. It actually buries and conceals it, and then enhances, allows it to go unhindered. 
So if you put a mask up about who you really are, and we all practice that in various ways, then what happens is you live in fear that someone will see through the mask. Someone will see through the image. It concerns me deeply, churches through the Western world becoming image-based rather than substance-based. We need to develop transparency and the character of Christ and a culture where we can be open about who we are and our failures. In a performance culture, you can't be open about the fact you've got a problem. You have to hide it because of fear what will happen. I've seen some horrendous things happen over the years. I've prayed for hundreds of people to be delivered, not just from things that happened in their home, but what also happened in churches because it was not a culture of love and acceptance where you could bring your failures out and say, well, this is just it. This is how it is. I really blew it this week. Man, my life sucks at the moment. Okay, how can we help you? Instead, judgment, condemnation, when it's like that, you hide. So I remember going to a church one time, and I thought, my goodness, I've never seen so many beautiful-looking people. Everyone had their act together. They looked fine, and all these leggy girls and great guys, and everything looked young and smart and fresh. And I thought, well, I've never seen anything like that in my life until we started to minister into the hearts, and then it became chaotic because there was so much rubbish going on in their lives. It was just demons everywhere because when you hide and not transparent, you're not walking in the light, there's no, there's no healing, there's no forgiveness, there's no breakthrough. You end up living tormented with fear. And the moment you can't keep up that image, usually you're cast aside. Oh, I hate it. I just so hate it. I believe God wants to restore the culture of fatherhood in the church. So we're living in a family that loves us and stands with us and believes in us and says, it's okay to say I'm afraid. It's okay to say I made a mistake. It's okay to say I really blew it. It's okay to say I got a problem. Because what I'm going to meet with is love that helps me overcome it. Love is what removes the fear. Love, perfect love, removes the fear. Every place there's no love, that's where fear will have its hold. The places you feel fear, you've not experienced the love of God. The places fear grips your life, that's where you need revelation of the love of God. These are the things. So it, comes, it came down through Adam. It comes also through our own life. It can come through your family. Some families are gripped with fear. You've got an anxious mother, and it's been your grandmother was anxious and uptight, your mother's anxious and uptight. You get in families like that, and it's like, oh, the atmosphere's tense. Man, I might make a mistake or drop something. You just feel tense. It's in the family. It's a spirit. It's in the family. It's generational. Someone should stand up and stop it. That someone is you. God called you to stand up and stop it and build a different future. If you're in a family where there's anxiety, you become fearful. And then you become secretive. Especially if you're a man, it's your mum that's anxious. And then she's always wanting to know stuff. And in the end, men develop a, a thing about women asking them questions. It goes right back to mum. Where were you? What did you do? How many times? How many times? And, you, and no, the barrage is all too much. So a fear starts to develop of women. So your wife asks you a question. Suddenly you're in an angry mode. Trying to gain control because fear of being exposed or mocked or belittled or something like that has gripped your heart. It's a relationship. So it starts in the family. Sometimes it's traumas in the womb. Sometimes things happen while the mother's carrying the child and fear enters the child's life and then it's born with fear. Sometimes it's just the things which happen when we're very young. Can be in the family. Can be destructive family patterns. No one talks. No one communicates. No one knows what's going on. Anyone know that? We've been a whole generation never knew what was going on. I discovered, we discovered the secrets on the way. It was like they were hidden, carefully hidden family secrets, and suddenly it comes out, and no one talks. This look awkward. They've all been covering it up, rather than being honest about it. See? So it's a dysfunctional family. Or maybe there's been an alcoholic father, alcoholic mother, or drug addicts, or something like that. And what happens is one of the children feels so afraid what's going to happen, they pick up and they start to rescue the family. Then all their life, they're buried in rescuing, working, working, working. It looks so noble, especially if it's in church but it's driven by fear. And it doesn't release anyone. 
It can't release people because there's too much fear. If you're a leader in the church, you've got to be free of fear because you won't release anyone. You won't activate people. You won't raise people who can discover who they are. You won't take risk with them because you're too afraid to give them some room to move. See, fear stops sons and daughters emerging to maturity because they're all held down. Someone's controlling them. We have got to hate that thing. Hate that spirit of fear and bring revelation that we're loved by the Father. So it comes through your family. It comes through experiences of life. It can come through traumas. And they can be quite simple things. Just watching a horror movie when you're too young. I can still remember one movie and I'm still getting a bit uncomfortable when I think about the thing. I watched something I shouldn't have watched when I was too young. Disobeyed my parents. Movie, Invaders from Mars. My God, it terrified me to this day. Had to overcome the fear. There's something addictive about going to fear-filled things. If you're a young person, you want to walk with God, don't get attracted. Resist going to the fearful things. Entertainment and media that are full of fear. Don't drink off that stuff. It will increase fear in your life. It will open doors for fear in your life. Make a decision. I'm not into fear. I'm against fear. I'm into love. I'm into the presence of God, the power of God. Anything that brings that kind of fear is not part of my life. As for some, this traumatic experience they've had. I can remember being yelled at in a classroom, 15, 16 years old. I can remember where I was sitting. I can remember the face of the man. I can remember him yelling at me. And I remember what I did. It was traumatic. It affected me deeply. I had to, had to get over it. I had to get it healed and deal with the fear of it. So we have these things happen. We collect multitudes of them. The culture is filled with fear. The advertising works off fear. Fear you'll miss out if you don't have this. Oh, you haven't got the latest? You're missing out. See, it, it's fear-driven. The media is fear-driven. People are fascinated with things that have gone wrong, with tragedies and distress. We're called to heal them, not be fascinated with them. Not to feed off the fear and drink off the fear. We need to overcome those things. It's a spirit. And this is what David said. Whenever I am afraid, I put my trust in the Lord. The Lord is on my side. I will refuse fear. What can man do to me? If God is with me, how bad could it really get? Because on the other side, God brings me out and I get better. So even for Joseph, who ended up in prison and injustice and all kinds of things, at the end, he ended up on top. And you remember Joseph ruling and saving his family. You don't talk too much about the prison and the old false accusations. Why? Because that, that, that's not what defined him. That's what used, God used to shape him. But fear will stop you coming out of your prison. We have to overcome fear. How do we overcome it? You've got to see it and own it, first of all. Put a name on it. It's my fear. I've got to face it. It isn't going to go away. Yeah, I take away this fear. Take away this fear. It's not going to go. I can tell you right now, you'll just get more fearful. God will not take away your fear, but if it's a spirit, He gives you authority to overcome it. He wants you to overcome it. So the first thing about fear is to name it. Put a name on it. What is that fear? Because there's a spirit behind it, break all agreement with fear. Father, in Jesus' name, I break my agreement with fear. Today, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that spirit of fear. I push against you. You shall not dominate my life. So those are two things. Here's a third thing you can do. If you've got traumas in your background or pains in your background or issues that brought fear to your life, have the courage to journey there, face them, and bring resolution to them. Own up to the pain. Own up to what happened. Forgive the people involved. Bring it to the Lord. Get ministry or whatever you need to get free. But don't keep the baggage. Or you bring it into your marriage. Bring it into your children. Bring it into your finances. Bring it into your business. Bring it into ministry. You bring it everywhere you are. Fear and control and anger will operate. So choose. It won't be part of my life. I'll be known as carrying the love of God. I'll be known as bringing the presence of God. I'll be known for taking risks. I'll be known for stepping out of comfort zone. I'll be known for doing things others were too afraid to do. Take time to meditate. You see, because fear attacks your mind, you've got to practice training your mind to fix on the Word of God. That will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. In Proverbs it says, 
he'll be, he said, when evil tidings come, I'll not be afraid because my heart is fixed trusting the Lord. You've got to fix yourself on God. You fix yourself by meditating, getting the truths of God, holding them around your life, dwelling on them daily until they rest in your heart. If fears come up, catch them quickly. Refocus is probably the best word to use. When a fear comes, it's a thought and a feeling. Reject the spirit behind it. Refocus your attention somewhere else. The act of redirecting your attention will break the power of that invading thought. You've got to be quite active in doing it. Refocus your attention. Here's another thing that will help you overcome fear. Learn to practice stillness in the presence of God. Because when people, this is what people do. When people have got fear, they avoid stuff. When people have got fear, they build walls in the heart. When people have got fear, they become busy. When people have got fear, they try to control their world. Sometimes busyness means actually it's fear driving me. And many people here will have blocks in the heart. You're no intimacy in your marriage because of why fear is stopping me. I need to overcome it. It's my enemy. God's not my enemy. People are my enemy. Fear is. Fear. Fear is my enemy. And I need to take action. Don't sit around waiting for God to do it all. As you have faith in Him and step towards the thing you're afraid of, you find it just pops, it just evaporates. It's not what it thought it would be. And God helps you to walk through it. Faith without works is dead. So I need to consciously lean into God, become aware of His love, and then take a step towards the thing I'm afraid of, believing He's with me in it. There's nothing like the presence of God to shift you. Why don't we close our eyes right now? God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us the spirit of bondage to fear. He's given us another spirit, the spirit of sonship that says, Daddy, Father, I am safe. I am safe. Perhaps there's some here today and you've never made a decision to become a Christian, never made a decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you today to leave the place of fear, to leave the place of slavery, reaching out to Jesus Christ. This is what it tells us. Jesus came to show us the love of the Father. Jesus died on the cross, taking all our sins and failures, breaking the power of them, the penalty of them, overcoming the devil. Why? So we could become children of God, walking in our Father's love. Jesus said, to everyone who received him, he gave power to become a child of God. Is there anyone today who will receive Jesus Christ? Put your trust in him. Believe he died on the cross for me. I'm putting my life in his hands, my future in his hands. I'm going to begin to walk with God. And I'm going to take up the invitation to be a child of God. When you're God's child, he cares for you. He's got your back. Is there anyone here right at that place? Would you raise your hand? Let me know. I want to become a Christian. I want to give my life to Christ. It's a great decision to make. Great decision to make. Great decision to make. I want to make that decision today. Raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to become a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. Anyone here? There's a hand over there. God bless. Anyone else? Other hands. One over there on the left towards the rear. Anyone else here today? Raise your hand. Say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't hold back right now. There's two people over there. How wonderful. Another one over here. God bless you. See the hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? God loves us deeply. He cares about you. He knows your name. He is interested in you. Wants you to be free of fear. This is what we're going to do, church. We'll do two things. Number one, we're going to stand in a moment. And then I want us to all clap. And every person who put their hand up, could you make your way to the front? Just stand facing me. I'll lead you in a prayer which we'll all pray, a prayer to invite Jesus into your life. Come on, church. Let's stand together right now. Let's stand together right now. Please make your way forward. Those wanting to receive Jesus. That's right. Two men over there. Just come. One over here. Come. Just make your way to the front. That's right. Come down to the front. God bless. God bless. Church, let's clap. There's someone over there. Make your way to the front. Come on, church. Let's honor them. 
courageous decision, overcoming fear of what people think. God bless you. Just come over here. That's right. There was someone over here too. Would you like to come? God bless you. First hand up. What you and Rochelle. Anyone else? Oh, someone else. What's your name? Even Stephen, that's an awesome name. Oh, someone else too. Wow, awesome. God bless you, man. God bless you. You made it. I'm glad we waited. <laughs> What's your name? Henry, God bless you. Come on then. Let's just, just stand there for a moment. I want to just lead you in a prayer. You ready now? Everyone just close our eyes. We close our eyes just to shut away what we're looking at so we can become... Oh, we got the name. Devon, not Stephen. Devon, good on you. Come on, stay here, Devon. Sorry about that. That was my right ear. Don't hear so good. Devon, that's a good name. Just as we close our eyes, just become conscious. God's eyes are on you. He loves you deep. When we pray a prayer, we're just speaking to God. He hears. The whole spirit world hears. So I'll give you some words to pray, simple words to invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and heart. Church, just follow. Just all pray together. Just help these ones in the front. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on my behalf to take away my sins and rise from the dead. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me all my sins and failures. Today I give you my life. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I receive forgiveness, total forgiveness. I receive your Spirit into my heart. Today I declare, God is my Father. I belong to Him. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for each one here. Father, bless him. Pour your blessing upon his life. He has a soft and tender heart, Lord. Touch him today. Let him feel the love of God. Minister to him today. Father, I just thank you. Father, I thank you. Let your presence touch his life. Let him feel and experience the love of God. Let him leadership call over your life. As you've gone through many struggles and difficulties, God is drawing you because he has a calling on your life. Father, bless her today. Father, bless her. Father, heal the pain of being rejected. Father, touch your heart with your love. Let her know she's so precious, so valuable to you. Father, touch Devon. Father, I thank you for you. Bless him today. Things have been hard for you. You've had a very hard background. But God wants you to know he loves you. He cares about you. He has plans for your life. Plans for good, not evil. So you can look forward every day with hope, expectation. God has people to connect to you. He loves you deeply, son. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Father, we thank you. Your presence is here. Father, I thank you. Father, I just bless my brother today. I just pray God's peace and blessing over you. We welcome you to God's family. I bless your life today. Touch him. Church, let's give a great clap and just thank you. Okay. okay. And this is Bryden. Brighton's just going to talk with you. he got a little gift for you. So if you just follow him. Well, that's a hard one. Can we have someone just help him? Just sit down there. Someone will come to you. How about that? There you go. And the others, if you'd like, just follow Brighton for just a couple of minutes. he just talk with you and give you a little gift. And uh, someone, uh, have you got another salvation pack? Another salvation pack over here? That's right. That's right. Praise the Lord. Well, come on, church. This is fantastic. Come on, church. Let's be excited about what God is doing. 
Has God been speaking to you? Has God been speaking to you today? You say, God, I want to break free of that fear. Come on, make your way to the front. Let's make a stand today. Let's reach out for the power of God to bring deliverance, to break the yoke of fear. If you're struggling with fear, come. Struggling with fear, make a decision. I will face this thing. I will name it. I will face it. I will seek God to deliver me. I'll break my agreement with it. I'll give resolution to the past. If that's you today, fear. Fear is troubling your life. Come, come, come. There's others need to come. Come now, come, come, come. God is drawing you. Day and night, night and day. Oh, we worship you, Father. and leaders to come, help with the prayer ministry. Sandy, Peter, you can come, Terry. When someone comes to you, tell them what your fear is. Name it. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you right now for the power of God who's here. Church, stretch your hands out to the ones who are here. Stretch your hands out to them right now. Let's believe for the power of God to come. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we take dominion over the spirit of fear. I take dominion over spirits of witchcraft. I take dominion over spirits of terror, spirits of torment, spirits which have come to bring anxiety. In Jesus' name, we break the power of those spirits. We command you to release each captive in Jesus' mighty name.